I spent an insane amount of money on the last pacifist percent episode. For a start, I didn't make the Rockstar editor cutscenes that you saw at the beginning. They were my ideas, ideas I've had for years, but I was fortunate enough to find uh, Silver Finish, who has a funny YouTube channel with um, similar sorts of stuff, and he was willing to make them for me. Paid him a couple hundred bucks, you know. It was probably less than a thousand, I can't remember the exact number in the end. And they turned out very well. I did them quite fast, faster than I really needed them, but it was good to have that done. The other thing was I got the actual voice actor from Stanley Parable. The dude has his own website voice acting thing, and he is very expensive. I think 200 words or something, or whatever it ended up being, was like $1,500 or something. Legally, he can't be the narrator for Stanley Parable in someone else's work. Can't be done. But that is like his voice and, and accent. You know, you, you can't stop him from using it. And so like, I couldn't make him do voiceovers as if he was in Stanley Parable, but I could just have him speak in that accent to say whatever um, I wanted. It is clear that a significant amount of people didn't make it to the end. The average person got 44% in or 20 minutes, but like there's a huge dip at the beginning, like the first 20 seconds. So like the retention was really high, let's say. Many of you may have missed that when I said goodbye and it faded to black, more things happened after that. If you are sitting here right now and you didn't hear the second time that voice actor came up, you missed out on some stuff. The part that got cut off was after he said, see you in the next episode. It originally continued to say, but not literally, of course. This voiceover joke was barely funny this first time. It certainly won't be the next time or something like that. Because obviously I'm not going to get him for the next episode, you know? But I, I, I had him explain that obviously there's going to be more episodes of Pacifist Percent, but it will be like Pacifist Extras and then Pacifist 2.0. So the main series of Pacifist is done, and that was the main important stuff that everyone was looking forward to. A long time ago, I recorded one episode of Pacifist 2.0. I did reduce the number of the end result. So the end result was like 96, and I cut it down a bit. But I only made it to the end of Mr. Phillips, I think in terms of my retesting. So there's still a lot more that I have to record when I get the time. My hotel made beds in a very odd way. Every single bed I've ever slept in, hotels, other people's houses, my house, my mother's house, my father's house, beds have been constructed exactly one way. And that is fitted sheet followed by normal sheet followed by duna cover, right? Is this the way it is in your countries as well? or where you're from or where you live. The guy at the front desk was like, the Australian way is no fitted sheet and to use a single sheet tucked in as like using a normal sheet as a fitted sheet, no sheet to be used and then the duna cover. So there's nothing between you and the duna cover. I've been in Australia my entire life. Maybe he thought I was for a foreigner and he's just using excuses. But uh, at night I'm like, okay, so I'm warm now but I want something on me. I have no other options. I must have the duna cover on me. That's just strange. Doing in real life streaming is scary. See, when I, I, I said it on Twitter, like I couldn't even stream in the airport. I was super concerned that I go there and people be looking at me like, why the fuck is this guy streaming? What is he talking? Who is he talking to? Why is he talking to himself? And I just couldn't do it. 
a part of the reason I didn't stream is because I just didn't want to stress myself out before the flight or whatever. But a big reason was because turning it on and just disregarding everyone in my surrounding would have been very tough, you know? Couldn't fathom doing what a lot of in real life people do, um, streamers. Like, like literally just talking to random strangers, like they're just walking by who don't know you and shit. Mm -hmm. I don't know how. Can you show your mod menu in real life? You guys are my mod menu in real life. I have access to like a thousand people who will tell me shit. Usually completely useless shit and incorrect information, but sometimes really correct information. And that's pretty good. It's like a superpower. As in, I value you guys. You guys are cool. As I've often said, prior to my online life, I didn't really get any uh, like positive reinforcement for anything that I did. My friends were, uh, friends, were largely just shitheads who would just put me down at every turn. I mean, outside my family, my family was always supportive. But um, hearing a person in real life say, hey, I like your stuff. It's something that uh, really matters to me and I, I greatly appreciate. The problem with make money quick schemes. This track on Andrew Tate. Anyone who is too dumb to understand the grift that Andrew Tate does is not gonna give two shits by anything that I say. It's, it is a completely pointless thing to argue about. All it does is give um, him a bit more attention. You'd like to listen to me talk about politics for some reason? Go back to 2020. Do your own Make Millions program. See, the thing you gotta understand, chat, anyone who has a plan that enables them to make millions of dollars isn't selling that plan. That's the biggest way to understand that you're probably being scams. No one's teaching people how to make money if they're already making fuck tons of money. Either you're the product and that they're selling your information or they're making money, in not using their system, but they're making money off you. Like if a person has a foolproof system to make a fuck ton of money, they're not advertising it. Because the more people who use a particular pathway to make money, the harder that pathway becomes. At various different times in history, there have been uh, loopholes or particular niche information that you could have to get a real edge on people and make a fuck ton of money. And the people who had that information weren't advertising it. So, you know, probably, there are probably ways right now to invest in particular ways or I, I don't know, sell particular products or, you know, buy X product from over here and sell it on, in this particular market where you can just like print money. But anyone who's doing that isn't telling you about it because they don't want you to do it and, and take their business. From my understanding of what Andrew Tate's offering is he's just the front guy getting people in to spend their money and then you're given like bargain basic shit in regards to managing money that you can get in any kind of finance book. I'm making money from you guys by sitting in paid for hotel. Yeah, but I'm entertaining you. I'm not trying to make you money. Watching my stream cannot make you money. This, this is not advice on how to make more money. Your life can only be enriched by my beautiful smile. <laughs> my Wooful Plushie. Q&A. Boop. What's his name? It's Wooful. Always been Wooful. Should go on sale soon. It's probably going to be a month or two. YouTube is now adding handles. For example, I'm AU. I received this email three times. It was sent to each of my channels. Hello, we're running to let you know over the coming weeks, YouTube will be introducing handles to make it easier for members of the community to find and communicate with each other. Your handle will be unique to your channel and will be how people mention you in comments, community posts, and more. You will receive another email and a notification in YouTube Studio when you're able to choose yours. In most cases, if you already have a personalized URL for your channel, we've reserved this for you as your handle. So I already have Dark Viper AU, so I guess they're just gonna give me that. 
A long time ago, YouTube had its own messaging system. Two different types of them over the time that I've been on YouTube, I believe. And both of them were barely used. I wonder why they're adding this handle feature. Is it just for the live stream possibility that you guys will now be able to like change your name to match what it was on Twitch? Or maybe they're going to roll out some social features on YouTube as they have tried many times in the past and failed. Like on Twitch, for example, they have a messaging system and I do use it on rare occasions. And I certainly used them more before I had the Discord. I don't know, maybe again, this is just YouTube trying to make the transition from Twitch to YouTube as easier for people as possible. The lot from on the live streaming side. After my experience at PAX Australia 2022, do I still want to go next year? 60% of the reason why I go places is knowing that if I stayed home, I'd sit there being like, man, we're having so much fun at that place I didn't go to. Think of all the wonders that could happen. I could have found the girl of my dreams there, but ah, I'm sitting at home. Ah, such a dumb decision. And then I beat myself up about it for as long as the duration of the thing. And then I feel miserable until I get over it like two weeks later. And so I had to go. Fear of missing out indeed. And it was all right. Wish it was in Sydney. Rate my PAX experience. So it depends what I'm rating. The actual inside of PAX, like a two out of 10. Not interested. I don't want to see the indie games. I don't want to line up for stuff. I question how much of people going to PAX is the stuff in there versus like seeing creators and going to panels and just being with their friends and stuff. I suspect for a lot of people, you know, it's just like, what else do you have to do on a weekend? Oh, there's an event coming up. Fuck yeah. Let's just all go down there, pay the money and walk around for a bit and just hang out and see some cool stuff. Just talking with your friends. I think that's the main appeal for most people, right? But outside of PAX is like the booth and stuff. Cause you didn't even need, you didn't even need a badge to come see me or whatever. Like some people legit just got on a train and just came down and said, Hey man, how's it going? I felt kind of bad for some of the people. Cause it was like, I talked to you for like five minutes or whatever. And uh, you've come like half an hour. You know, say me and the fans, A plus. Barely an awkward moment and very nice people. A lot of people think they're awkward when they meet me. I think maybe like one or two people were tops and I, I don't even really remember it. Like I'd be surprised if no one was awkward, but no one stands out to me as particularly awkward. The most memorable thing with people was that a lot of people were like their hearts were beating like rapidly. I could feel it. The food in general that I've had throughout the trip. I'm not a big food person. I'm just going to give it a six. Didn't dislike anything. Said maybe the Japanese barbecue, but you know, hanging out with TG. A plus. The manager people, shouldn't really just call them the manager people, but as a group, A plus. Cause I shouldn't think of them as manager people. Like, as like I think of them as my friends in a way, but it's like, obviously it's a business relationship. Meaning Monos Pelican, A plus. The handful of people that I met at parties and stuff, A plus. Everything else, F. So this hotel, Grand Hyatt, F. All the travel, F. All the Ubers, like the Ubers weren't bad, that bad. There was no difficulties, no problems with them. Nothing like that. F, cause uh, travel sucks. Like if I could have met all the same fans, hung out with TG, hung out with Moz Pelican, hung out with the management people, done all that in Sydney, the whole event would be A+. But having to travel and be stuck here for two extra days with very little to do and stuff, brings that the whole experience down significantly. Next time round, I am not staying two more days. I'll probably just stay one more day because I saw pictures of people flying back the day, the direct day after PAX, and it looks so packed. Everyone would have been crowded onto planes like sardines and stuff, and it's just so many people, it's just like, ah. Oh. Am I going to PAX next year? I would be surprised if I did not. But um, it is a burden to get out what I get out of it, you know? As in like, I don't get a heap out of it. Meeting the fans is cool, 
having a handful of conversations is cool. But like, I'm not really that big into parties. I don't mind going, but I never really get much out of them. It's usually just very loud and you have to yell to have conversations that don't really mean anything. I would much rather if PAX was held like in Sydney. So like, I could drive out there, hang out with people, then go back to my house. Like whenever you add into it the need for a flight and a stay at a hotel, it makes everything 10 times more burdenful. Or burdensome, I should say. Am I going to exclusively live stream on YouTube? For those unaware, I've now done maybe 21 live streams on YouTube, including my live streams down in Melbourne. So I was second guessing the YouTube streaming and whether it makes sense to move back to Twitch. Because the problem of streaming on Twitch has always been that 98% of my audience that found me on Twitch didn't find me through Twitch. So my audience is never just naturally on Twitch waiting for me to show up. They are people who are watching YouTube and on rare occasions, like if I say I'm live on Twitch, they'll go, oh, Darfiber's live on Twitch and they'll move over the platform. They, they're never aware that I'm live. And so my viewership always suffered and declined because of that. My lack of consistency at a, a particular time and whatnot. And so moving to YouTube to solve that problem made sense that you guys will always be presented with my live stream. Like even when you're watching my videos, the little red circle will be around my, my profile picture saying, hey, I'm live, bro, you can check me out. But the reason why I was still hesitant to be on YouTube is because I liked the separation between my stream content and my YouTube content. They were totally separate. I knew where one was and where the other was. Uh, there was no possibility of like the YouTube algorithm getting pissed that my live streams didn't do well or, or anything like that. Because that, that was something that happened in the early days of live streaming where people who were live streaming reported, who knows if it was true, like maybe it was uh, all in their heads, who knows. But they reported that it seemed like the algorithm preferenced them less because they were streaming there. Like their, their videos didn't do as well. I'm not 100% sure that that is true now, but I'm concerned about the health of my channel. And so it was just like, you know what? Even if there's a 2% chance, fuck it. I'll just do all my live streaming on Twitch to avoid that, uh, that possibility. But doing a poll on YouTube and a poll on my Discord, people overwhelmingly want me to be on YouTube with the streaming. Of course, as you'll find with any polling, it's a separate matter. What people think they want and will do and what they'll actually do when presented with the scenario in real life. So it could be the case that all the people who want me to stream on YouTube are just like, yeah, I'd rather you stream on YouTube just on the odd chance I, I would want to watch you. It's, it's more likely I'll watch you on YouTube, so I want you to be there. And maybe the Twitch people who want me to stream on Twitch would be more committed. Like, let's say like 100% of the people who voted for Twitch would actually watch me on Twitch. And, and only like, you know, 50% of the people who said they would watch me on YouTube would only watch me on YouTube. And this, that's possible. But the numbers are just really overwhelming in YouTube's favor. So, uh, and as I've said, at least for the test streams that I did, it does seem like I have more viewers on YouTube. So I will continue to try to stream on YouTube. We'll see how that goes. And hopefully when I get back and uh, I can release some of these uh, bigger videos on the back end that I still haven't released, that uh, things can look healthy again. My, my goal with my main channel videos is just to maintain 10 million views a month. I'm currently at like 7.2. But then I haven't released a video you know, in five days or something. I only released one video in the last week. So, you know, we'll see. So here's the thing, chat. I don't want to stop streaming on Twitch at all um, entirely. In part because like YouTube doesn't do anything like a PAX and stuff. That's, Twitch is here and they're having parties and whatnot. I'm going to keep streaming on Twitch, doing my editing stuff there. Just to have maybe a couple of hours each day on Twitch. Give people a chance to talk to me if they, they want to on there, I suppose. 
and um, you know, keep some subs on there, I suppose, in case I want to go back to streaming there permanently. So for the longest time, the concern was that if I streamed editing on Twitch, that people will always assume I'm live editing, and this was a problem for a while. But now that I'm streaming all the important stuff on YouTube, I can freely just stream my editing on Twitch for the hell of it. Because if everyone always thinks I'm editing on Twitch, that's true, because I will be, you know? It's very hard to com compare streaming on two different platforms, because like, the time of stream that I do is very different, the content I stream is very different, you know. I mean, the time of day I start and how long the streams last, whether or not the heightened viewership of YouTube will last long term is a separate matter. I'd probably need a sample size of like three months on YouTube and three months on Twitch. And even then, those three months will occur at two different times of the year in two different times of my career. And so won't be directly comparable anyway. But it'll be certainly better than what I have right now, which is like a dozen streams. Some of them while I was sick, you know, and then I've taken this vacation work thing to Melbourne. It's, it's just hard to compare the platforms in terms of the actual numbers, and but I am still convinced that YouTube is the best bet moving forward. What I might do though is make it so my VODs are member only. I just don't like the idea of the live streams of my videos competing with the videos themselves. And the need to make thumbnails for every YouTube live stream and stuff, it's a huge hassle. As I say though, uh, I will continue to stream on Twitch doing my editing stuff. But I mean, eventually one day, one day I might not have any subscribers, like paid subscribers on Twitch. And at that point, I will just probably cancel my affiliate and partner status so that I can live stream on YouTube and Twitch at the same time. I mean, would that even really have that much purpose? Would that even be, would that even be worth the hassle? I don't know. Why did I move from Twitch? Because the vast majority of my audience is from YouTube. To the extent where doing a poll on Twitch finds that like only like two to three percent of my viewers found me on Twitch itself. I would like to remind everyone that uh, my memberships are pretty damn cool and more stuff will be coming benefits wise for memberships. What were the two benefits I wanted to do for memberships? Being able to watch past VODs and what was the other thing? I want to set it up so like you can see my videos early. Like the second a video is done it will just become visible for members and then like you know over time I will Release it to everyone else. Like when it has the thumbnail and title and all that stuff. You don't have a join button? A membership's not available in every country yet? I think they are like on Twitch. So weird. Meeting anything for views and Max Mofo at a party in Melbourne. They're the hosts of a popular channel called Cold Ones. Reach out to the Cold One boys and set up a podcast. I've talked to him twice, Chad, and I'm sure he doesn't remember. Both times I think he was fairly drunk. I just can't imagine either would be interested in meeting me. Most of the creators that they've spoken to are much higher profile than me, and I ain't that interesting. I did see Max once, because this is this is back in 2019 packs. I'm sure they'll be around, and if if they're here, if I, if I see them, I'll be like, hey, that's that guy, you know. When you talk to other people at these things, you don't have any really meaningful conversations. Like, you could hypothetically just say like complete nonsense to each other, just words that don't even make sense. And you'd make kind of like the same connection, you know? It's like you you meet people and you make connections, but you don't have like impactful conversations. The audio is bad, but TG responds, but that's just life. That's just being human. I sometimes have trouble with that aspect of life. <laughs> the interaction with Max and Chad was both kind of awkward because it's not like I walked up to Max, we just happened to be in the same little group, but clearly he didn't give a shit what I did. 
it's the problem I have with a lot of these conversations where the only, like in some cases you know the only reason you're talking to a person and the only reason they're talking to you is because you happen to be at the same place. Like any other context, you wouldn't talk to each other. You don't really give a fuck what they do or they, and they don't give a fuck what you do. It's just like, you know. And I, I hate I hate being the fan in a situation between two content creators. Like I know what Max does. I know what Chad does. But they don't give a fuck what I do. And it's just uh, that weird dynamic doesn't look good when you're at a creator party, you know. And I assume Chad was out of his mind. Ah, uh, Chad and Max both arrived pretty late. Like, I'd been there for many, many hours. Uh, I'm not sure if they were drinking beforehand, but it didn't seem like it. Like, I, I, I saw Chad, like, in the bathroom as I was leaving. I was like, hey, I, I like your stuff. We met, you know, at previous Paxes. You don't remember. You were drunk as fuck. He was like, oh, yeah, sweet. No worries. I'm like, hey, you're good. And I walked off. Because, like, you recognize that he does not really give a fuck. So it's like, you don't want to take up fuck tons of his time. I mean, I, I actually, I talked to the guy who, you know, cool shirts, the thing that um, the cold ones is always um, shilling. I, I met the creator of that company. A nice dude. I swear I had seen him somewhere before. Like maybe I had seen him in some TikToks or something, but you know. When I do collabs, it's for the fun of it, not because I believe it's the best use of my time. Um, collabing with other creators is just enjoyable shit to do. If you gain something out of it, cool. If you don't, who cares? You had fun. It's a, it, it changes up your content. Variety is the spice of life, as they say. I'm not convinced that collaboration is the best method of uh, gaining success, you know? Be sure to like and subscribe. Also leave a comment if you have something on your mind. My feed gives them to me from all over my channel. It doesn't matter how old the video is. I wish you all the best.